What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. We are right here near the cusp of the trade deadline. We're recording on a Tuesday evening. We thought we'd be able to have one episode just to crush us all, but man, the NBA is already crushing us with a ton of news. A ton of trades have happened over the weekend and just today. Um, Ronan, you, you ready? Like we, We're going to crush some 30 minutes. We're going to try and respect everyone's time because everyone's got to listen, see what's happening, and get off and go. We'll, we'll try to do that. But are you ready to jump into this? I think I know where you want to start here. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a big day, especially I did not expect it to, to heat up like it has. But uh, yeah, boy, am I, boy, am I glad to see some some trades happening and some big trades, too. Yeah. Hey, I said it. I said it last week. Teams are thinking they can contend. Some teams thinking that the playoffs, they just make the playoffs. Actually, it's the play in plan does not count as a playoffs. We need to clarify that. Mm-hmm. But Seems like the Cavs. Let's start there. They got the guy that's been rumored. It's it's the worst kept secret of the trade block this year that the Cavs won the Carousel. And they got him. They got him for, I think, I don't know. What do you grade this deal? I think this is a pretty sweet deal for the Cavs, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. I think uh, the scoring that he brings in that they lost with the likes of uh, of Rubio and Sexton is huge for that team. And it's something that they, they, they're really going to need coming into – coming into the playoffs, the fact that they're giving up uh, only a protected 22 first-rounder and two second-rounders and, and Rubio's expiring contract and he's injured mm-hmm. late for the season, I think they've done they've done pretty damn well here. And uh, I think uh, they know Levert obviously has had some different issues this year, but he's still averaging 18.7 points a game. And that last game that he played for the Pacers uh, really proved that he's still got still got an ability to oh, be yeah. a top-level scorer in this game. Oh, yeah, 40 points against now. Let me make a big caveat here. The Bulls have sunk to just about the worst defense in the league without Zoe, without Caruso. But the way he was scoring, it was it really reminded me of the flashes that he's had in Brooklyn. Um, the things that he's been able to do um, as a young player in Brooklyn, he showed that. And if he can reclaim that, if that's a guy he is right now, that the Cavs just got a damn good score. Um, and I, I just want to just want to think about the the nature of the market right now for a guy like Levert for them to get nothing back. Really? I mean, for first round traffic, the Cavs are going to give that up regardless because they're not going to be in the lottery this year. That's fine. So they're really giving up a pick in the twenties for a guy like Harris Levert, who is going to be a serious help in the playoffs. That that's kind of crazy to me. I, I thought, you know, this would be, this would be a seller's market. I thought they'd get the Pacers would get more for him, but Really, they're, they're just going to get a shot late in the first round. And again, like I said at the beginning of this, huge, huge steal for the Cavs. Um, but I want to think about this in two ways, short term and long term. Short term, how, how do we see this in terms of his contribution in the playoffs? Like how, how big of a push is that? I, I think I think it's going to be huge. Right? I'm curious to, to see what you think. Um, Sexton is probably still going to be out. So with him, with him rounding out that uh, – that big lineup, I think he'll ultimately replace Markinen. It would likely be Garland, Okoro, um, Levert, Mobley, and Allen. Does the addition of Levert, does that, I don't want to say push him over the edge because I don't think it comes close to that, but does that bring them to a new echelon in terms of playoff contention? I think it comes close to it, especially if he can, if he is able to remain healthy and especially be healthy come, come playoff time. 
and it just gives them a different option that they that they didn't have before, which is mm. which is the biggest thing that they need to, to kind of keep teams guessing. They can play a different way now. It doesn't have to be the the standard three bigs that it, that it's been so far this year. And I think that that's what's really interesting about this trade. It gives them that extra little option. And if he can uh, just get in and just seamlessly slot into this team, it could be huge for Cleveland this year and beyond. Because Levert still still a young guy. He's definitely a guy who can be a, a capable contributor on a team that are looking to challenge over the next few years. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's what I thought of too. It's it's a versatility, and uh, Bakerstaff has shown not not just the chemistry, and that, I'll get to that in a second, but the the versatility that Bakerstaff has coached with to play small to play big um think about lineups that they've had recently with Coro garland dean wade dean wade <laughs> and uh mobley and allen you're replacing dean wade with karis levert and those lineups have been largely successful just based on how they played and they can put levert at the three and they can go small with him at the four and they can really just match up with any team right now in any way, shape, or form on both ends of the ball. And Levert now adds size and versatility and scoring to that. It's going to be really interesting to see them in the playoffs because you know they're going to get a lot of a lot of praise for being a success story this year. But I don't think they're going to get a lot of serious looks as a team that could be dangerous in the playoffs. I don't think that's been fully realized yet. But it's if he continues on this. Uh, on this trajectory, it's going to be a very, very scary team to face. Um, but I don't think long-term here because Sexton's been constantly in the trade rumors ever since last year. And I think a lot of people see this and they think, okay, Sexton's on the way up, right? I, I don't know. I, I think not so fast. I, I'm not really convinced that that's a necessity at this point. Do, do you think that his future right now with Cleveland is just written in stone just because they got their – their uh their help here in Levert. Uh, I wouldn't say it's written in stone, but I just think on on Sexton's side, he might be thinking maybe I should maybe explore my options here, just because he's not the main guy that I think he was expecting to be, and that 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 would be it'd be more so Sexton possibly looking to get out of Cleveland rather than Cleveland thinking okay we've got a we we've changed it around now. Let let let's get rid of sex. And I think it'll be it'll come from the player rather than the team. Yeah. No, I I agree. I agree. We've harped on it long enough about how that's really a decision he'll make. Uh, but ironically, you know, it's it's gonna be a decision that the Cavs make. Um, you don't want to ruin chemistry, but I don't know if Sexton's that type of guy to really muscle his way out of town. But he is a restricted free agent. So if another team, if the highest bidder is a cost that the Cavs are comfortable with I think they can keep him they'll, they'll keep him um but imagine a team fully realized with two great scorers on the wing I mean Sexton is not a wing but having Garland who's had a lot of Nash-like flashes as a facilitator this year having him as the at the helm as a, this creative facilitator and having a elite three-level scorer I'm, I'm not using that word lightly I truly believe Colin Sexton is an elite scorer and Levert, who maybe he's more of a, a bench guy. If he's got it going in a game, you, you get it to him. But having two scores like Sexton and Levert, that's not a bad thing. That's, that's a good problem to have to figure that out. And I'll get back to the chemistry here that Bakerstaff has preached all season. Dude, if you can get Kevin Love to love basketball again and start hugging people, giving them high fives on, off the bench, and Love, who has been 
I, I think honestly the best bench big in the league this year by far. Like if, if that's a chemistry that comes from this culture, I, I think there has a good, there's a good chance that this might work out in the long term. It doesn't necessarily mean Sexton's gone. No, no, absolutely not. And I, I, I like, I like what you, what you're saying there. The, the way that he's built up this team and, and just a good feeling around it. And if, if that can continue and Sexton can, can come back in and just want to be a part of that, it, it could be huge, huge for Cleveland. Yeah. Um. Right next door, Pacers still making moves. Um. They acquire Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Tristan Thompson from the Sacramento Kings. Um, if you're following Twitter, my God, the city of Sacramento is burning itself down right now over the loss of Tyrese Halliburton. It, it's like Ro- Rome has fallen. Um, and for, for his credit, Halliburton's been awesome. It's been awesome the past, uh, the past 24 games. Um, but Guys, like the Kings got Demonte Sabonis, like one of the the crown jewels of this trade market. Uh, they get a two time All Star, double double machine, triple double threat every night. Um, Justin Holiday's great shooter, plays Buddy Hield. Like Justin Holiday as an off ball shooter is a better shooter on lower volume than Buddy Hield's man. I'll say that. Um, Jeremy Lamb, who weirdly hasn't played any minutes this year, it's been strange. Um, and a second round pick. But really, you just got some bonus. Like, I, I don't really understand the just universal outcry that not, not even just Sacramento, everyone in the NBA is having. It's like, you know, the, the Kings are typically going to do the wrong thing. And it very much sounds like the wrong thing when you think of Tyrese Halbert as his 21-year-old rising star. Maybe we'll debate that here. But, I mean, I think everyone just needs to chill out for a second. Like, you got arguably the best known available star in this trade market. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't expecting such a universal panic from Sacramento fans, but at the same time, it is the Sacramento King, so it's probably fair enough. They they usually do the wrong thing, and they, I, I, I do believe, I think we'll, we'll look back on this uh, probably a couple of years down the line, and we'll be saying that the Kings, uh, they didn't make the best call here. I mean, I don't know. No, I, I, no way. I, I'm totally in the camp that this was, this was a good move. This was a good, not amazing move. It is controversial because, like, you're getting rid of the guy that you have under control for five years, and that's just always like the, the big point is you gotta keep your young guys in house that are developing. But dude, how many young guys have the Kings kept in house that you know that it hasn't worked out? They didn't, they didn't cash in on value because. Let's be real. Let's get into the numbers here, real quick. Really quick. This 21 year old combo guard who was really wowing people last year. Everyone thought he was going to come into the league not having a shot, but being solid. But hey, past 24 games, he's averaging 17 points per game, 9.4 assists on 2.6 turnovers. Wow. On 47, 43, 87 shooting splits. He's sixth in efficiency amongst players taking 300 or more jumpers, second in percentage for off the dribble threes. It's a 43% catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, and he's 11th in the league in assists right now. All that to say, he's pretty damn good. He's pretty good. Is he is, – is this 20 – are we going to take this 24-game stretch and assume linear development and all of a sudden say, oh, my God, he's going to be a, a multi-time all-star because of it? Like, you know how many – let me give a lesson to everybody. Kobe White, two Februarys ago. Look like he he had a he had a stretch where he was averaging thirty a 
game on like 50% from three. And I was like, oh my God, this guy is going to be an animal. You know how many young players are going to have stretches like that? Like everyone's got to chill. DeMontis Sabonis is a proven all-star, proven all-star. I, I, I don't think that the, the Kings just traded away the next Russell. I'm just throwing a name Russell Westbrook. They didn't, they didn't just trade a next generational star from Sacramento. I, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's ridiculous to think that the Kings are going to look back on this and be like, wow, that's just the worst move ever. They got a legitimately good player, great player. Well, the main thing is just the fact that we got to remember this is the Sacramento Kings, so it was probably but they're going to the, screw it, it up. Probably yeah. the wrong thing to do for them, but they're, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying they're not going to screw yeah. it up. They're going <laughs> to screw it up, but it's not because like Savonis is a worse player than Halliburton. No, no, no. That that's not it. They're, they're, obviously, they're they're very very different players. I think one big thing people are are kind of going going off about is the fact that Halliburton was a, a good shooter beside a, a guy like Fox. Sure. And now they've added a guy who in Sabonis now that can't really shoot and struggles a bit on defense too. Sure. That's one thing that they're going off about. I know we probably have different opinions on it. Right now, it's probably the right, it was the right call for the Kings to make. And I think this is a, a, a guy that, that a lot of teams wanted in this uh, mm-hmm. approach in the deadline. And the Kings have gone and got him. It's mm-hmm. what they do moving forward now I think is going to be is going to be the difference in my head I think Halliburton's a real talented guy I mean what a week ago they weren't willing to consider Halliburton in any sort of trade when they when that was what they said when they pulled out of the Ben Simmons talks now they gave him up for Sabonis they better be hoping that it works out for them they better they better they better get making some smart moves to to really make sure that this that this sticks as as one of uh, one of the good trades that the the Kings have made over the years, yeah, um, yeah. It, and I'll, I will preface preface that with the fact that I think they pulled out of the seven stocks because I mean this is just better value. This is more equal value. Even if you're getting Ben Simmons back, you are probably sending out way way more than they did. And they they didn't have to give a pick here. Mm-hmm. They didn't give up a pick um, for a team that is really good at sucking um they, you know you don't give up your picks so i mean i think they just, just in that regard I, I think you know i'm going to give the kings a pat in the back here because they didn't totally screw up this trade i think it has potential to be good and let me say this because a lot of people are going to look at the shooting which is an issue it, it's not a non-issue um i i don't think that i think there's going to be ways to compensate for it essentially because they have not had the Kings have not had a guy like Sabonis that can facilitate in the mid to high posts. They don't have that. And one thing, and I'll say this, one thing that Sabonis is really good at is DHOs, the handoffs. Hmm. And for a guy like Fox, who is tremendously good downhill, he's fantastic downhill to have a big who could orchestrate like that will allow him to leverage his ability as a slasher. And I think you'll see a lot of that. You'll see a lot of um, off ball movement from Fox that I think he wouldn't be able to do with some of the other bigs. And I think that Sabonis is going to give way more pressure than they've had since cousins in the paint. He's really, he's really, he has a lot, a lot of gravity inside because he's a legitimate uh, beast on the offensive boards. 
He's fantastic in the post. You need to send help unless you have a true uh, stopper in the post, which not a lot of teams have these days. Um, and I, I think that's going to do a lot for the Kings. And, God, I mean, we'll, we'll see what Alvin Gentry does with it. But Alvin Gentry did pretty good with, with Cousins. Um, did, did pretty good uh, with, with AD um, when they were healthy. So we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I don't think it's, it's as binary as, oh, you didn't get shooting next to Fox. He likes to score inside. So therefore it's not going to be good. There's going to be a lot of ways to make this work. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's definitely fair. I think I, I like the, the, the thought of Halliburton going, going to the Pacers. It's just a, mm-hmm. a steady situation. I think it, gives him, <laughs> it just gives him a good chance yeah. to, to really kind of find his true the self average. in the NBA and now nah, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna step up. I think we've seen a lot of young guys who have uh, who have shot who have, have shown signs early and and really kicked on and developed in their uh, third and fourth years in the league and I think he's gonna be able to do that. Uh one thing I'll say is in, in a sense here have the Pacers sort of went with Miles Turner over Sabonis making this trade. Yeah uh, that's what it coming feels out like. now, rumors coming out now that he's uh He's much happier uh, mm-hmm. now that Sabonis is gone. He's excited to play with Halliburton, and he's excited to be able to play the center again. It kind of, it kind of seems yeah. like there's a little bit of an element of that. Yeah, and, and I think he's always been honest about it. When asked about it, he, he's straight up like, I want to be a center. I, I want to do things that, that big men get to do, not just spot up. Um, and that's that's a big question here. Let's see. Does Miles Turner have another level to his game? on the offensive end. We know what he can do on the defensive end. Can he be more dynamic on the offensive end? He hasn't really had a chance with Sabonis there. So let's see, he's got three guards who are fantastic playmakers, Brogdon, Duarte, and Halliburton. You got a lot of, you know, my, my one critique thinking about those guys there is you have a lot of redundancy there, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. You get a lot of great efficient shooting, great off ball movement, um, great passing, great switchable defense. Like those are not bad things to have a lot of. Um, I think they, they're they still missing that center, that dynamic centerpiece. They just traded their less dynamic centerpiece for a non-centerpiece. I don't think Tyrese Halliburton's – is this a hot take? I don't think Tyrese Halliburton's ever going to be like a number two player on like a really good playoff team. And that's not a knock on him. I mean, that I don't – like for me, like a, a Zach Levine type – super biased – of me to say that but um like a guy like your your browns your your levines your your butlers i, I don't know they 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 didn't get a a young prospect i thought they, they'd go for a young prospect who would potentially become a centerpiece but they got a guy who's going to be a complimentary player a good good complimentary player i think Halliburton's on a great team is your third best third best player at best, that's how I see it. Yeah, no, I think I think that's fair enough. I, I think I have a little bit more belief that he's going to be capable of being a bouncing up to being like a perennial all star level player over the next couple of years. But I think hmm. they they still that's need, a hot take. They still need a, <laughs> a, a, a top level player. I don't think it's yeah. fair to to be able to say that he's not done enough to say, oh, this is definitely the guy you want to be building around now heading into the future. But he's definitely a guy who's capable of doing like look at uh, the likes of something like DeJounte Murray's doing this year I think I, yeah. I could see Halliburton doing, yeah. doing something similar to that yeah okay that's fair that's fair and I, and I wouldn't I'd, I'd still say the same thing I don't think on a truly good playoff team DeJounte Murray's going to be the guy mm-hmm. but 
I mean, Halliburton has surprised. And his what well, one thing we'll say is I mentioned the second in percentage for off the dribble threes for counter argument to myself because you know, I'm constantly arguing with myself because usually I'm wrong. Everything I'm saying is probably wrong here, but he's proven that off the dribble, he's had the ability to shoot because that he's seemed more like a stationary catch and shoot guy, which he is, but he's added to his game. I just feel like the, the mechanics aren't necessarily there for him to be a go-to scorer type of guy. But again, like you say all the time, we'll, we'll see. They got younger. They got a guy. It, it means they made a good move if most, most of the league is be crying the the kings are trading off this guy so you got to feel pretty good for a pacers fan like you know you're losing Sabonis, but everyone's like oh my god i can't believe they got him so it's got to feel pretty good um so yeah kings fans chill you got it you got a two-time all-star Sabonis and fox i think will actually be really good um and pacers you got three really good guards now around miles turner maybe he turns up maybe that's his uh that's what happens um i'll only say this i'll just end by saying this doesn't feel like a team that's bad enough to truly tank. No. And if they, in, you know, obviously they weren't going to just trade to bonus and get that young centerpiece because no one trades that young centerpiece. But I was thinking maybe they'd get picks. They'd go worse. They'd try to get worse and get picks. But maybe that's not what Carlisle is here for. Um, but it doesn't seem like they're going to be bad enough to really get great chances at a good pick. That's the only thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I think, I think, yeah, it was just that was what we were always saying. It was so strange that to to bring in an experienced, talented coach like Rick Carlisle, and now and now they, these are the, the the decisions that they're making. It's a it's a bit like the plan has changed uh, mid season. That's kind of the mm-hmm. way that it feels. What about another team whose whose plans have uh, <laughs> been all over been all over the place so far this year? No one really knows what the plan is. The the Portland Trailblazers. What about that that first trade they made? Man, uh, the team that front office that you don't know what they're going to do, even though they're constantly showing their hand, like it's every every single trade possibility has been made known to the like, it's not like all rumors on on hoop hype or something. It's it's reporters constantly being fed information from the Portland office. I don't even know how they were able to make a trade, a good trade here. But I it's uh, CJ McCollum goes to the Pelicans like we had said. Listen, we're right about some things here. Um, so the Pelicans get CJ McCollum, Larry Nance. Get on that in a sec. I think that's that's a nice piece of them. Tony Snell. In exchange for the Blazers getting Josh Hart, Thomas Sadoransky, Mikhail Alexander-Walker, uh, Didi Luzada. I've not seen him play, heard of him before. Sorry. And 2022 unprotected first-round pick, 5 through 14. It is protected 1 through 5. And past 14, it will convey the following year. Um, interesting trade uh, protection structure there. And two second-round picks. So the Blazers, I mean, the, the main piece on the floor they're getting here is Josh Hart. And Josh Hart, you know, his numbers aren't going to jump off the page. But I don't think this is a hot take in saying that he is already, without touching the floor, he, I think he's the best two-way wing the Blazers have had in a decade. And I, I can't think of anyone else. Like, he is a legitimate winning wing with his defense, his rebounding, um, his off-ball shooting, um, which leaves a little bit wanting. But in terms of his impact uh, on both ends of the floor, he's been the guy that I feel like they've wanted to have for a while. 
And it's sad to say that because he's not like a massive game changer, but he's, he is a winning player. Does anyone else come to mind? Like, am I crazy? No, I think, I think I do. I, I was struggling. When you said that to me yesterday, I was, I was kind of struggling to think of, uh, of anyone else really that, that they've had. And I think they went light. They gave up McCollum for probably not as much as most would have thought they were willing yeah. to give up McCollum, say, say even at the start of this season. And it's it's kind of a shame for CJ McCollum. Like he's such a dynamic scoring threat that you kind of would like to see him on a team that are a bit closer to challenging. So it's a bit of a disappointing move for them, but it's 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 great for the Pelicans. I mean, they've they've added a serious dynamic scoring threat that they have that can play alongside Ingram and hopefully Zion, whether that be this year or next year. Like they've kind of made a almost like a win now sort of move with this trade. Mm-hmm. And but uh, are they really that close to, to, to winning? I think they they tried to they're trying to make. Hey, a push to they're the in the playing. They're, they're trying to make they're the push in, for the play in. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so they're trying to make the push for that and hoping that McCollum can give them that edge when it, when it comes to that playing. But uh, yeah, obviously the the Blazers are making these moves to give them the best chance to retool around Dame and be able to clear enough cap space and that to be able to chase some some top level stars, which is, which is what they're saying now. Uh, that's, that's the plan. And they, they, they've got the chance to do that. And they've also added a guy like her that they desperately needed at that type of player. So it, it could work out really well. It, many will think that they kind of gave up McCollum for probably maybe not enough, but in the long run, this really could work out well for the Blazers. If, they're able to convince some some to, another top level player to come join Dame in Portland. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'll I'll say this: Zion better come back. <laughs> yeah. He better come back this season because if they sink out of the play-in and they convey a six, seven, eight pick, um, which scouts I follow seem pretty excited again um, about this, this draft class, um, particularly in that range. Um, if they convey that, you know, the, the Blazers are cooking with fire there because they're going to have their own pick. They're going to suck. They're going to suck the rest of the year. Um, Simon's b- buckle in because you're going to have as many shots as you want and uh, have fun with Bledsoe over there too. But they're going to suck. They are going to probably get a top 10 pick, top five pick maybe, who knows? But then the Blazers get to do two things, three things, really, two things. They can pick both guys and trade one, maybe get a medium piece. Maybe they can cash in for two top 10 picks. If they have two top 10 picks in this draft, they, they can do things with that. With Simons, with Hart, there, there are still teams out there that like Nikhil Alexander-Walker. You know, it is, his stock has been a little bit more sketchy this year as he hasn't really taken, he hasn't taken a step forward at all in last year. But – Potential still there. People believe in. Now, little he's had a flash before. Unfortunately, he got he got hurt. Um, we know Simons is good now. They actually have assets now. Go back to last year, zero assets. I mean, unless they're going to get off McCollum, who they needed. Um, traded Gary Trent Jr., who after that Clippers trade, you basically traded Gary Trent Jr. for um, a a pizza and Keldon Johnson and a couple second round picks. Um, and I think this is interesting. The Blazers actually can be patient here and not be hurtling towards their doom. They have options. If Dame says, 
listen, I appreciate all you did, but I'm all set. Okay, full rebuilds. You maybe even get more, more picks, but they can actually pivot in a similar, in a miniature way that the Warriors had the, the chance to with their, um, with their two picks. And there's, there's a little bit of hope in that, in that situation. You can, you can hope for something new or uh, retool with some legitimate assets there. Yeah, they, they, they've they've been smart the way they built. They're, they're not they're not gonna gone all in in any in any uh, particular direction. They're they're ready for kind of either kind of inevitabilities. Uh, whether it's Dame saying it's not is it, is it the same for him finally, or whether it's like okay, you you've made these moves now. Who can you go and get to to partner with Dame? So they're ready. They're ready for a big summer. That that that's for sure. So it's, it could be could be exciting times for. Uh, for, for the Portland Trailblazers, and what do you think? What do you think about Nance heading to the to the Pelicans? Do you think that that could be a good move? Yeah, no one's talking about that. Nance, when he went to the Blazers, I thought that was going to be, I thought it was going to be awesome. He's he really turned himself into a legitimate uh, stretch big um, on the Cavs, and he's one of those guys in this league that is strong enough to defend down low, is quick enough to defend at the perimeter, and he's like really, really versatile big. And I don't think he's really been used correctly there in Portland. And I think Willie Green has done an excellent job with these young players in uh, New Orleans. And I think that the way he's used Herb Jones, look how, how well Herb Jones has done to develop as a defender, as, as a big defender. Um, I think if that is an example of how Green inspires defense out of his big wings, I think Nance is going to have an opportunity to do something great there defensively. Um, and overall, I mean, how, how good do you think Point Zion could be? Regardless if he comes back this year, um, he's going to have CJ, Ingram, Jones, Valence Eunice, all these guys. How, how, good, how good could he be if, if he can stay healthy? That's the question. You know, we're not going to talk about that here because that's a much bigger, much more annoying question to ask. But let's just pretend Point Zion is healthy right now. He's got some legit, he's got some legit shooting now. Mm. Yeah, That's, no, that, that, I'd say I'd say he he's uh pretty excited about, about coming back. Oh, I'd I'd hope so anyway. I don't think they make a move like this unless they knew uh, Zion was uh eager to go back and uh, and be part of this Pelicans uh future. But looking at it, yeah, you think Zion could really come right back and be right there in a, in a great situation to really start showing everyone why he was so sought after and why he was that absolute certainty to go at number one. Mm, yeah. Um, let, let's switch over to, to the Clippers. Uh, also did business with the Blazers. Like I mentioned, who effectively traded Gary Payton Jr. for uh, basically nothing now. Uh, Clippers get Norman Powell, Robert Covington, and they send off Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson. Maybe a little, any any Keon Johnson buyers out there? Maybe you're excited about that. Um, and a Detroit 2025 second round pick. So that's that's the slice of pizza I was talking about. Who cares about that? <laughs> that's interesting to me from the Clippers side. That signals to me that maybe there's a chance. Maybe they're gearing up for next year. That's also an answer. But is there a chance now? If Paul George is miraculously healthy, Kawhi Leonard is on track and is healthy for the playoffs, and the Clippers make it in, and all of a sudden they have Norman Powell, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George coming at you. That's something. That's quite something. 
if, if they, if they are healthy, that's, that's pretty big if, again, we're talking big ifs, but that's not, there's a non-zero percent chance that they, they walk into the playoffs being a sneaky, sneaky favorite to upset a lot of teams. I, I wouldn't, I would not want to face a healthy Kawhi if he's truly healthy and then he's flanked by Norman Powell scoring and Paul George, if, if he can get right, you know, that there's, there's a possibility that we've forgotten about the Clippers here and they've God, they've stayed afloat. I, I don't know how um, you, you gotta, you gotta give it to, to coach Lou there, mm-hmm. but it, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to count them out, especially since they're being aggressive, making a move like this. Yeah, I think generally, I think we'll, we'll, we'll look back and we'll see. It was just uh, them kind of showing a sign of uh, their ambition for for giving giving Kawhi and P- MPG the, the the best shot at uh, at going for another title next year. I think that's that's what this this move will ultimately be about. But I think the Blazers needed to make the move. They needed to clear a bit of money to uh, to give themselves a good shot. At at uh, at building around Dame, so I think this is a move that they kind of sought out, and it could work out really well for the Clippers. I you like the the idea that of what what Powell and, and even Covington can add to this team, and what the, what they had to give up, it could definitely work out really really well for I, I think both uh, both sides here. The way that in in different ways and less noticeable ways, you kind of think oh the the. Blazers have given up uh, a lot to a to a conference rival here, but it was something that they ultimately had to do to to give themselves a chance of doing anything. Yeah, um, let's let's end by talking about quick things. Quick things. Um, <laughs> Taylor Horton Tucker apparently values nothing now. This is uh, three years, thirty one million is apparently around the league known as a bad contract, and they're offering THD in a future pick, future pick for Josh Richardson. What the hell is going on? Do you, do you take that if you're the Celtics? Why not? Yeah. I mean, THC, I mean, if they, if he had not, not gone down and if in the first part of the season before he had that, that injury, he was really looking, really looking yeah. like uh, the yeah. guy that they thought he was going to be. But since he's come back from that injury, it's, it's really been, it's really been hard going for THT. And he's, anytime I've watched him, he's really looking like he's struggling with every single play that he's a part of. It's, I don't know. They just lose that rhythm, and you find it hard to get to get it back. I don't. I don't know really what's going on with him, but kind of shows how desperate desperate the Lakers are to kind of uh, shake shake things up and uh, and add something something different. I mean, it's tough to know. I, I guess if you're the Celtics, you probably would take it. It's just a, 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 the the money, the contract, THD. Do you still believe that he could be something? And like that, that's the Dude. thing. It, it's it's tough. It's tough for, for Celtics to to take such a big contract despite you getting the pick, really. Well, th- think about this. The Lakers have had a tremendous track record of giving up on players too soon. I'm not even going to get into the laundry list of players across the league that have had all-star appearances and most improved players and all, all the, all the, the accolades and the growth. If, if that's what happens when the Lakers trade on guys, dude, take that immediately Boston, like Taylor Norton Tucker is going to be like a all NBA player for giving him up like this so quick. Um, let's say in the East here, we already talked James Harden and I already told you, I, I don't believe it. But oh my god! Like things are really, really heating up. I, I don't know anymore. I've I've just went 
what, four days, five days. And now I went from being 100% sure nothing's going to happen. Doesn't make sense. It's just smoke. And listen to this. James Harden sitting on another game tonight. I don't know if I believe the whole he's forced to not play, but but Patty Mills said that they had a team shoot around at practice. And James Harden was fine. He looked great. And partway through, he goes to the weight room. That, that, those are some tea leaves to read. Um, not particularly good at reading them. But if I made a pretty bad guess, I mean, what maybe that's a signal that trade talks are serious and you want to keep your just recently healthy star healthy before you make a move. And you told him midway through practice. I mean, that it's not, not impossible. I mean, that, that makes sense. So man, I, I I don't know what to think anymore. And I'm probably, we're probably going to wake up one of these days until Thursday with some insane news, or we're just going to be holding our breath until what is it? Three o'clock on Thursday. I don't know. Uh, it, it's just confusion, confusion, more confusion. I hear I mean, you hear you hear a different thing every day. You hear you. We've heard kind of every possible thing from from different extremes to the other uh, of both sides. You're saying uh, Philadelphia believing that that uh, he's gonna get straight out of Brooklyn come the summer and they're gonna lose him for nothing. They need to book up their ideas now and trade. That's that's the thought in Philly. Uh, Brooklyn's still saying that he, he's nowhere, not going to be in any sort of trade talks. Then you go and see, oh, Brooklyn actually is willing to discuss some <laughs> trade talks. Yeah, I mean, well, they no. just make up their mind what they want to do. <laughs> I mean, like they've only got what well, they got about a day, about a day and a half left. It, it, it's time for some decisions to be made. Yeah, um, we'll see what happens. And fun, fun little tidbits and we'll end there. Um, interesting idea staying with the Nets. Harris is legitimately being shopped around. Um, Joe Harris, who had another setback, which is tough. Um, mm-hmm. Trading an injured player, they're going to have to get – what else can they give up to get off of Joe Harris? Um, but an interesting idea floated around was Buddy Heald. Just got traded to the Pacers. Um, that Those contracts match up. Maybe that's a swap. Um, that, that's interesting to look at to see what they can do with, with Joe Harris. Um, another guy who's been mentioned a lot, Dante DiVincenzo for the Milwaukee Bucks. He's not had the greatest return of all time, but he's injured for a while. Um, a lot of talks with the Celtics that have progressed as far as real players being mentioned. Grant Williams is the most recent name that the Celtics rebuffed. Would you do that? DiVincenzo for Grant Williams? I don't know. It's just kind of a, it's almost like a, I'd almost look at it as just, just a, ch- a change of situation for both players. Really? I don't, I think it's a fairly fair trade, to be totally honest. That uh, yeah, it's just a question: <laughs> Do you want to do it or not? I don't. I don't think there's, there's too big of a decision to be made there. I, I have to say, like as I'm saying it out loud, like this is just right on. This is such a Celtics trade deadline trade conversation. <laughs> like everyone's like throwing around Karis LeBerts, uh, even Norman Powell's, and then it, the the Celtics are like, oh well, I think maybe we'll trade a uh, Grant Williams. Aaron Neesmith, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Just never getting in on these big names. Trade deadline after trade deadline, whiffing last year. Um, you know, they're going to be patient this year, which is fine. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up on making fun of the Celtics because uh, that's all we can do at this point. Yeah, 
That's what, it's, fun, it's fun to do at this point. I mean, as long as we don't talk about the Knicks, I'm happy to make fun of anyone else. Yeah. How about Cam Reddish? Yeah. Tom Thibodeau's favorite. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Dude, what, 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 what a bad take. I, I was so wrong on that. My goodness. But poor, poor Cam. Free Cam. Free Cam Reddish. That's all I got to say. Oh, God. Oh, it's just one disaster after another with New York this season. Uh, no one, no one, no one should want to go there. Not that, not that anyone ever has wanted to go there, but it's, it's, it's looking really, really messed up at the moment. And let's, let's just, let's just not talk about it. We're not getting into that. Big we'll, trades we'll do some are happening. Mixed therapy later. <laughs> uh, there's big, big trades happening ahead of the deadline, which is uh, 3, 3 p.m. 3 p.m. Eastern time on it. Uh, on Thursday, we will be back on Thursday. We'll be talking any more trades to go down. We'll also have Timberwolves fan Owen Hockey on to talk the big T-Wolves season. But All right. un- until then, everybody, enjoy the trades that go down. And if you're a Kings fan, maybe just chill out a little bit. Yeah, hang in there, guys. Peace. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.